And we thank you again this morning, Pastor Winright, and it is a privilege indeed that God has granted unto us to bring unto you this infallible, unchangeable, indestructible Word of God. I deem it a great privilege from Him to bring to you the unadulterated gospel of the grace of God and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. We wonder sometime why God has been so gracious unto us and why He has called us to bring to you such message, a message never before the Apostle Paul was ever given to men or angels. All the angels do not have the kind of message that is given unto us. These, this is a message of this calling out of the members of the body of Christ not to go through the tribulation as we talked to you last week on the, the, uh, on the rapture. And we saw in there the five things concerning the uh, for, uh, concerning the rapture this was a catching away or a and a catching up a transfiguration a triumph a blessedness you see are there any other uh, any other scriptures that bring out such a glorious truth oh yes we we find in other scriptures and in the tribulation there's going to be a rapture there will be a rapture of the 144,000. For you remember, they're going to be preaching the gospel of the kingdom during that time because at the beginning of the week or that seven-year tribulation, we find that Antichrist will make a covenant with them and uh, the results will be great. Yes, he tells you in the seventh chapter of the Revelation that such number that no man could number, there's the sand of the sea. And uh, then when Satan's wrath will be aroused, and he will try to devour them. But you will notice in the twelfth chapter of the book of Revelation, and she brought forth a male child who was to rule all nations of the rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God, and to his throne. Now, he wasn't a child when he was caught up. Then this cannot refer to the Lord Jesus Christ here. The woman, all theologians, are agreed that the woman here in the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation that gave birth to the man-child is Israel. They don't say that it was the Virgin Mary. No, this woman here, they say, is Israel. Uh, this child then, if the woman represents the nation Israel, then why cannot the child represent the 144,000? Now we find that there we uh, uh, read no more about these 144,000 after the seventh chapter of the book of Revelation where they are sealed until we come to the 14th chapter and they are walking before the Lamb whithersoever he goes. Now how did they get there? Well, you've got the same word used here in the in the uh, in the twelfth chapter of the book of Revelation, and uh, it tells you she brought forth a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up. You've got this same identical word, harpazo, 
as we find in First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. But we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, a Greek word, harpazo, caught up. Yes, the body of Christ will be brought up, uh, will be caught up, but they will not be going into the tribulation. But these 144,000 will be in the tribulation, and they will be caught up. This is a catching away. It is a catching up. Now, it's a uniting of the members of the head. And do you know, for the first time since God made known unto the Apostle Paul the members of the body of Christ a church which is called his body. This will be the first time that that church will be together as the members, uniting of the members to the head. For the Lord himself will descend, and we shall be caught up. He will present the church to himself, glorified, as he tells us in Ephesians 5:27, that it will be spotless. It will be without spot and without wrinkle. And it will be the first time that the whole body of Christ, oh, who knows the great number that constitute the body of Christ. And this is the purpose of perfecting His glory as the Redeemer. And here is when he comes, uniting of the members one to another and be together. Now he says the living will be caught up at the same time with the dead in First Thessalonians 4.17. And for the first time, I repeat it, an account repeated too often, for the first time the church of all times and all lands will be with one another. Thus the completed church will exist for the first time, but not on the earth, but in the air. Isn't it blessed, beloved? We are the heavenly people. Though we're spending time here on earth until the completion of the body of Christ. And when that last member comes into the body of Christ, ah, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The completed church will exist for the first time, not on the earth, but in the air, which is the proper and the logical place for it to meet because our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is not on earth. Oh, God has promised the land, the land of Palestine unto Israel, and he has promised unto the twelve apostles to sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel in the land. And so Israel will be superior in the millennial kingdom, for they will be over the nations also, the Gentile nations. And uh, Israel will be ruling the on the earth in at that time. Now until that time the only churches we find are in the plur there will be in the plural. We have different churches down here on earth, yet 
uh, let me hasten to say this morning that no matter what denomination, God's not the author of denominations. God is the author of the one church which is His body. And whatsoever denomination and the name that man has given unto it, whether it be Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, or uh, the, about 600 other different names that's on earth, or Roman Catholic, the only church that God knows anything about is that church which is His body. And if you have been saved by the, uh, by the uh, blood of Jesus Christ in this dispensation of grace, you belong to that one and only church that God knows anything about, and that is the church called His body. Yes, aren't you glad this morning, and don't you rejoice to know that you are a part of that one church? One day, thank God, the trump of God's going to sound, and the dead in Christ is going to arise. Our loved ones, oh, I have, I have many loved ones out in the cemetery this morning and they're going to be caught up they're going to be raised and uh, if I am permitted to be living when this takes place which I have the uh, I have no reason to doubt that I could be here when this takes place that I may be among the living when this takes place and then this mortal shall put on immortality and those that are out in the cemetery whose bodies have seen corruption, they'll put on incorruption. And we shall be with him forevermore. I want to say to you this morning, there be an ascent not of a solitary Elijah with fiery chariots and horses, but millions of saints will rise. They'll be drawn upward by the holy power of God. And all together will fill the heavenly regions with their hallelujahs. Oh, won't it be a blessed day? Won't it be a blessed day? Isn't this a blessed hope this morning? This catching up. Catching up. So we'll find that we'll be lifted up. Now, this brings us to that third character of the tribulation, of the rapture. It's going to be a transfiguration. The Greek word is metamorphosis. We find in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus took the three apostles, Peter, James, and John, up on the mountain apart. And there Jesus' body was changed. Metamorpho. There was a complete change in his body. And there he stood in all the blazing glory, in white apparel, he stood there before them. And this tells you here, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump, then will they be changed from the body of humiliation into the body of glory, as this Holy Spirit has so vividly brought out to us in Philippians 3.21. In Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence we look for the Savior Jesus Christ, who shall change these bodies of humiliation 
and fashioned them like unto the glory of the, the body of the Son of God. And this corruptible will put on incorruption and the mortal immortality. In 1 Corinthians 15:51, where he said, I'm going to show you a mystery. Yes, and what a mystery. This is in connection with members of the body of Christ. Now, resurrection of the body is no mystery. That resurrection, uh, the first resurrection that he talks about in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, that's no mystery. That was prophesied. But all here is the mystery that God has a church which is his body that he never made known in other ages that was kept hidden and oh what a glorious truth it is when we turn to uh, into Ephesians the third chapter was hidden and that word hidden is apocrypto now when he withheld or when it was hidden from the apostles in the 18th chapter of Luke, and they knew nothing about the death, burial, and resurrection, though it was in the Scriptures, but it was kept hidden from them, and he uses the Greek word crypto. But when it comes to members of the body of Christ, he uses the Greek apocrypto, which means that it was never made known, it was not hidden in the Scriptures, but he said it was hid in God. And that precious old saint of God, Dr. Ironside, who is now deceased and with the Lord, he said, if it is hidden in God, oh, he said, beloved, you can search in vain to find it in the Scriptures, but nowhere is it found in the Scriptures. It was hid in God, this secret, this members of the body of Christ. To think of this, we, members of the body of Christ, there's going to be a metamorphosis. There's going to be a change of these bodies. And this corruptible and this mortal shall put on the immortality and we'll have bodies like unto the Son of God. All of this is to take place in the air. Oh, what a triumph. And this leads us unto that fourth thing that I want you to see this morning, and this is the triumph. For the air is the very base of the operations of the enemy. Who is it that bothers you now? Who is it that is bothering and the temptations and the trials and the testings? From whence do they come? Uh, beloved, God allows it. Yes, God allows it, but these principalities and powers, spiritual wickednesses out of the heavenly places, this is the uh, base of the operation of the enemy in the air. Uh, but thank God that one day we're going to triumph. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. There is where our enemy attacks us while we're here on earth. But one day it'll be over when that last member comes into the body of Christ. What a triumph when we ascend right up in that very base of their operation. Yes, we're going to be caught right up between them. 
what a triumph it will be. Then we are told in the book of Revelation there's going to be war in heaven. <laughs> but isn't it a blessed fact this morning we're not going to have to fight. We're not going to have to do the fighting. Oh, no. The Son of God is going to cast Satan out of that heaven and uh, all of his followers and his demons are going to be cast out in the earth. And in the book of Revelation, he said, Woe be unto the earth, for the devil himself will be cast into the earth. Now, you can understand why a great tribulation, why that last three and a half years, he's going to be cast into the earth. This is why he is so angry with the woman that brings forth the child. And while the covenant was made at the beginning of the tribulation that they could go on with their uh, with their uh, program and the preaching of the kingdom of heaven. And when he sees what effect it's having on the whole earth and the Gentile nations, he will, first thing you want to do is to devour that child or that 144,000 has been preaching the gospel of the kingdom. But what a triumph. What a triumph it's going to be for us when he leads us right up through those. And he will do the fighting. Christ, the Son of God, will do the fighting. And he will cast them into the earth. But we're going to be in the air. Another proof, beloved, when that war in heaven takes place, we're going to be up there with him, the conqueror. Christ is the conqueror. And then Paul tells us in the 8th chapter of the book of Revel, uh, in the book of Romans, he said, We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Why? Because he fought the battle for us. And he did the conquering, and we are caught up. We'll be, we'll be caught away, caught up to meet him in the air. And he has won the victory, and we will get the, uh, the blessings and all of the blessed things without fighting for it. Oh, he fought the battle on Calvary's cross. And we are more than conquerors, in that we get the spoil without fighting. Uh, a soldier came back from the last world war, and he told me, he said, Brother Watson, our soldiers had to go in to Tokyo, and we took it. But the big brass was in the back. They didn't go in. They didn't do the fighting. Our soldiers went in and did the fighting, but the big brass came in, and they got the spoil. They did it without fighting. So it is with us, beloved, this morning. Our Savior went before on the cross of Calvary in that three hours of darkness, and he fought the battle for us. We didn't fight for our eternal life. No, he fought the battle 
on Calvary's cross in that three hours of darkness. And now we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us because He won the victory. And now we are, we, we are getting uh, the, all of the heavenly things that are ours. He fought the battle that we could be more than conquerors. We find that Satan is called the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2, 2. But uh, now exactly in the region of his power, at the very headquarters of the conquered foe, there takes place the meeting of the conqueror and his victorious host. All the triumph can't be greater. There's nothing greater than this triumph than being more than conquerors through him that loved us. The triumph, I say, couldn't be greater. A more glorious festival of victory could never be than this which is ours. Christ has conquered completely. His church has overcome absolutely. Therefore, the crowning of the persecuted takes place at the headquarters of the defeated persecutor. Now, I want to look at this last uh, thing that is the nature of this rapture. It is blessed. It is blessed. Oh, the blessedness of it. This is called the blessed hope. Let's turn to the second chapter of Titus. And there in the 13th verse in Titus 2, and in that 13th verse, well, I think we will begin with the 10th verse. He said, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. What does purloining mean? Not purloining. That means to embezzle or to keep back. Oh, don't keep back anything. Oh, I tremble when I think of the preachers who are keeping back, who are purloining. They're embezzling. They're not telling the blessed story of the church which is his body they're not making known and preaching Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery they're not making it known as they are they're keeping it back but he said but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn and this word are, uh, adorn is cosmio it means orderly arrangement to snuff, like snuffing the wick, to trim the wick. I remember when I was a lad, we didn't have electric lights, we had kerosene lamps. And every morning, my sisters, my older sisters, would take every lamp and they would trim that wick. They would snuff that wick. Why did they do it? All that it would be orderly, and it would uh, give a orderly light, not a smoking reed, but it would be 
and orderly. Oh, this is what he said. Don't keep back this glorious gospel of the grace of God. Adorn that doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for that blessed hope, and blessed it is. Oh, what a blessed hope it is. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify in himself a people of his own, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Yet people do despise when we teach this glorious truth. And we see the distinction between the blessed hope and the better hope of Hebrews. Now remember that the book of Hebrews was written to those people whose name it bears, to the Hebrews, and he calls it there a better hope. I trust that you know the difference between the better hope. What was the better hope? Ah, Jesus Christ is a better hope than going back unto the animal sacrifices, which he said in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and in the 4th verse, and there he tells you the blood of bulls and goats. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And he presents that better, that better sacrifice, yea, that perfect sacrifice, and to Israel, the better hope is come when he comes a second time without sin and the salvation that he tells us in that tenth chapter of the book of Hebrews. And there he will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. This is that better hope that Israel is, work, is looking for, that second advent. But the blessed hope is that hope before the second advent coming to the earth. This is that hope of catching us up, catching us away to be with the, war, with the Lord. What a triumphant hope, what a blessed hope it is that is ours. Friend, this morning, are you prepared? Are you ready? For that trump of God? Are you looking forward unto this blessed hope? Or are you joining with those who look for the better hope, the second advent? When he comes to the earth to redeem Israel, when Israel shall be over the nations and shall rule and reign for a thousand years. Are you one of those looking for that or that blessed hope when we're going to be caught up and we're going to be judging the angels while Israel 
is judging down here the twelve apostles sitting upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel and superior and over the Gentile nations and we're going to be in the heavens according to 1 Corinthians 6, 2 and 3 that we will be judging the angels know you not oh beloved know you not that we will judge the angels what is your lot this morning? Are you still in unbelief? And I know there are many this morning listening in that you've never known Christ as your Savior. You've rejected. You have spurned the love of God. You have spurned the wooing of the Holy Spirit. But this morning, will you no longer reject Him? Will you no longer spurn the wooing of the Holy Spirit and that love of God and the love of Jesus Christ which passeth all knowledge? Will you turn to Him now receive receive Him as your own personal Savior? If this is an individual thing, this is you, uh, uh, the individual makes that choice. Will you make that choice today? Will you, as the Spirit of God speaks to you, but if the Spirit of God doesn't speak to you, then you cannot do it within yourselves. But as you feel the need, and as you know your need this morning, will you listen to the Holy Spirit? Christ died for you. He loved you and gave himself a ransom for you. Believe him this morning, and you will have eternal life and be a member of that body which is looking for the blessed hope. Now until next week at the same time this is Otis Watson speaking for the Berean Bible Church saying goodbye and God richly bless you. (laughs) 